Journey to Organization, Episode 90, Finding the Balance. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begon Personal Organization. And today I want to talk to you about a call I got from Rifki. Rifki called me and left me a voicemail and she told me that she started listening because she was decluttering her basement and she was looking for something to listen to to inspire her. One of the reasons she started to declutter was because one of her married daughters left her grandson with her and she wanted to get the space in her home cleaned up for him. She said she found a car seat in the basement that she'd been saving for her grandchildren and then she realized her grandchildren came with their own car seats. Rifki defined herself as organized and said that even though she had a lot of stuff, everything had a place and she was always able to find what she needed. But she says she, since she started listening, she's been able to get rid of a ton of stuff. She was, however, confused about what the right balance is. So when you declutter, there's a balance between getting rid of stuff and balancing that against time and money that you would spend on getting that stuff again in the future. And Rifki gave me this example. She said she was putting together a package for someone and she needed a bag of ribbons or a wrapping paper or whatever. It wasn't exactly clear. And she needed them and she knew where they were and she didn't need to buy anything else. And then she gave me the example of school supplies and she said how she keeps a bin of school supplies, but if she didn't have a stash, then she would have to go spend time and money and buying buying more school supplies later, you know, because she had gotten the school supplies on sale. So before I answer Rifki's questions, I want to say that a couple of people have asked me why I don't really do listener questions anymore. And the answer is twofold. <laughs> the first reason is that I don't really get that many listener questions anymore. And The second is when I do get listener questions, instead of um, answering them as so-and-so called and asked me if I could answer this question, I try to turn them into a whole topic instead of just focusing on that question. So it may seem like I'm not answering your listener questions, but I'm doing the best I can to incorporate them into whole topics versus just small portions of questions. This way I can try to be more thorough when I answer the questions and 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 incorporate a larger scope so that more people can benefit from the question rather than just the listener. So if I haven't answered your question and you left it a while ago, please call back and leave me another message. Um, I will do my best to get to them or at least incorporate the message into content in the episode. And I just, by the way, before I go back to Rifki, I just want to say that like, it's, I want to bring you fresh, new, exciting things all the time. And so I, I try to, you know, just make the content exciting. So that's, it's more than just the questions I think that make it exciting. So I try to focus on the topics. Anyway, let's get back to Rifki. Here are my thoughts on balance. When you're decluttering, first and foremost, you should never hesitate to get rid of anything that you no longer want, things that are not useful anymore, things that are broken, 
And I'll just put this caveat in. If you've been able to fix, if you haven't been able to fix broken items or if you know you won't fix them, then those things, you know, are things you need to pass on. Um, You don't, you don't really need them. Um, If you think that there's still a chance you might fix it, put a date on it and make it get done by that date. If not, then it needs to go. Um, there are plenty of places uh, in the U.S. There's FreeCycle. In Israel, there's agora.co.il that you can list um, broken items that people still want and that people will repair. <laughs> so don't feel so bad about getting rid of things. Um, with that in mind, I think it's important to note that there will be things that you want, you need, and that you like but that aren't useful that you still want to keep that's okay <laughs> the point of decluttering is that, that is so that you can live your best life with only the things you need want and like how much you actually keep well that kind of relates to the size of your house so a lot of people have a larger house and In that scenario, I think people with larger houses are more likely to keep more stuff than they actually need because they have the space to keep it. But the real purpose of living with less is so that you don't hoard things. So just because you have the space to keep something doesn't mean that you should keep something. (laughs) That's number one. But, But if you have less space that also doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel bad about keeping an about getting rid of something sorry the space it's our natural inclination to fill the space that we have and so we shouldn't feel the need to just fill the spaces because it's okay to have empty space let's get back to the examples that Rifki provided like keeping things for your grandkids. Now, if you already have grandkids, great. Keep things for them to use when they visit you. But if you don't, why would you save so much stuff? I always joke with my husband that the reason I made Aliyah is because when Mashiach comes, I don't want to have thing. I don't want to have to leave the things I like behind, like my Shabbat china. <laughs> so I made Aliyah just so I could have my china to use on Shabbos, right? But the thing is, is if you have grandchildren who are more than nine months away, the chances of things happening are high. And when I say happening, I mean disasters happening. You could have a flood, a fire, an earthquake. You could need to move. There's about a dozen other scenarios that I can't even think of right now that could ruin the stuff in your home. And especially if you live in Israel, mold is a huge problem. I mean, I can't tell you how many things I've seen in houses that mold just destroys uh, their stuff. And if you just let your walls breathe a little bit, mold wouldn't be such an issue. Like everything doesn't have to be piled up against the wall. Having less is okay. So keeping things that you don't need doesn't necessarily help you. And what if, God forbid, you do have a flood or mold or whatever? Think about all the stuff you now have to clean out because you wanted to save it. And anyways, it's destined for the trash now. Now you can't even donate it to somebody else because it's, you know, a lot of times ruined. So, you know, think about what could actually get used if you're not using it. 
When my oldest son was born, we lived in New York, and my parents were in Silver Spring, and we used to put the baby, my son, he's not a baby anymore, (laughs) in the carrier, and we would wear him on the Amtrak train when we went to visit. And we would sometimes take the car seat with us, um, but we didn't take the stroller. And I asked my mom to see if she could ask around um she actually had an infant car seat so we didn't always take the car seat with us either but usually we we took the car seat with us but we didn't take the stroller and I asked my aunt my mom to see if she could borrow a stroller so we would have it while we were there and my aunt very graciously offered the one she saved from my cousins who are about 10 years younger than me and the strollers were at least 20 years old and my husband he wouldn't let me use it. He called it the stroller of death because he would cut himself every time he tried to open or close it. So my point is, is what happens if you save things and then your kids don't want to use it because, you know, it went bad, it got moldy, or the safety regulations changed and it's just not considered safe anymore. So saving things because they might be useful later on isn't, you know, true necessarily if you're not the one making the decision if it's your kid making the decision you know what are you saving it for so you might as well have passed it on earlier and let someone get um use out of it right away so that it would be useful (laughs) because after so many years it sort of just ends up as trash which is a shame um regarding things like school supplies Honestly, I have a stash of school supplies in my house because kids finish notebooks or need a new glue stick or whatever, but I'm conscientious about what I buy. I don't keep a huge stash. I have one client who has about five huge bins um, with loads of supplies with several hundred dollars worth of school supplies. And if, you know, they got wet or there was a flood in the house, they would all be ruined. We have a few small cubbies worth stored for the kids. They can go get what they need when they need it, but I don't keep much on hand. Honestly, I can't stand looking at it, and I don't like knowing that my house is functioning as a storage unit. It makes me feel really burdened. So when I buy a pack of um, notebooks, let's say, that come for my kids, of course, I'm going to save the extras that they're not using right away because throughout the year they will definitely need them. Or I might buy one larger pack of glue sticks one year, but then not buy glue sticks the next year. So... You know, I know what I have on hand, and that's part of the battle is knowing what you have on hand and not overbuying. That's important, too. I think there's a time aspect of having too much stuff versus, versus having for to shop for something once you've decluttered. So let's use the example Rifki talked about, about wrapping supplies. She wanted to make a package for someone or wrap a gift. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but... She asked me, you know, should I get rid of this stuff because I I would use it eventually. And I think when you're deciding what to keep and what to toss, you need to consider if the things that you're keeping are things that you can actually use up in your lifetime. Like how much of one thing do you actually need? But also consider like how much time it would actually get take you to 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 get it new. So for example, everyone has a bag of bags. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) It's one big bag full of other bags. And I'm glad that you saved the bags to reuse them. But in your lifetime, how many bags can you really reuse if you aren't already reusing them? 
How many ribbons can you actually go through? How much wrapping paper? These things don't have a shelf life per se, but storing them can, you know, cause problems because again, they could get moldy or eaten by bugs or you might still have to replace things or go shopping for them, even if you already have them in the house because they could go bad. And then you would be out the time and the money that you've already spent. So I think you have to sort of weigh the scenario. I mean, you have to really see how, you know, how much you could actually go through before it could possibly get damaged. And I see the wisdom in keeping things that you would need in the short term, like school supplies, but keeping too much just doesn't seem to have a benefit because, you know, what's going to happen, you know, in 20 years, you still have all this stuff. When are you going to decide that it's too much? When are you going to decide that it's not going to be useful anymore? Eventually, your stuff will become a burden on your family. And that's not something you want either. So it's better for you to make the choices now. If you have like a large stash or something, consider paring it down. Ultimately, the choice on what you keep and what you toss is yours. You need to assess the possibility of damage on items stored in bulk versus the time it takes you to get them and how much your time is worth. But you don't only want to think about the financial loss that you would incur if items were damaged. You also want to think about how much time it would take you to clean up any damaged items um, and, and, and then again the money and the time that you would need to replace it. So for each person, this equation, it's really going to be different. You have to decide what it's really worth to you. Now, I'm very much of the less is more school. Sometimes we do run out of things and we need to make an emergency visit to the store. But most of the time we know in advance and it's pretty easy to get what we need. I mean, you know what I always say, Hashem will always give you what you need. So it's usually not so hard for us to procure things like school supplies or wrapping paper if we do end up needing them. Um, you know, like I said, I always say that, you know, we'll have what you need when you need it. And I think, again, it means access. So last night, uh, a part, a plastic part in my kitchen faucet broke. I, I didn't have the part because I don't keep it on hand. Uh, and I didn't have the right tool to fix it either. As soon as my husband walked in the door, I sent him right back out because water was spraying all over without this little filter part on the end of my, on the end of my uh, faucet. And I thought to myself, as I was looking through my tools to see if I could just at least take the thing off, I, I said, you know, we should keep we should keep this in stock. <laughs> I'm sure this will break again over time, right? And of course, I thought to myself, I should have had the tool. And then I said to myself, that's crazy. I never needed this before. <laughs> I've never had the tool for it. On what planet would I have thought to buy it without cause? It's such a specialty tool. And I'm not a plumber. So, you know, why would I want to store something like that, that I'm not sure if I'll ever need again? I could have moved before I ever needed this replacement part again also. So that being said, like we went out this one time, we got what we needed. It took a few minutes extra than if I would have had it on hand, but I wouldn't have had it on hand anyways. And now it's fixed and we had access to it. And that's, I think, what's the most important part. We were able to go to the store and take care of it. Um, 
I had another incident. Uh, <laughs> this is, um, well, I'll get into the incident in a second, but I want to use the example of bathroom tiles or floor tiles. I think it's important to save those things after you've done a renovation because if one tile breaks or one tile cracks or if you need to replace a small area, then you have it and you're not going to be able to find those tiles again necessarily in 10 years or even in one year you might not be able to get those tiles again and it would be very costly to have to redo a whole space just because you needed one or two tiles. And this is a true story. Two years after we sold our apartment, the people who bought it from us called me and asked me if I knew like what the name of the tiles were from the bathroom and where we purchased them. And I said, you know, we didn't, we purchased the apartment renovated. So I didn't know what they were called or where they were purchased um, from one small leak, which if, you know, she would have saved or if I would have saved, if I would have had any to save the bathroom tiles, she would have, you know, been able to just repair that small area. But because I didn't have the information, um, she had to redo the whole bathroom and it cost her a lot. But there was also the bathroom and the kitchen um, were back to back and part of the flooding went into the kitchen and only four tiles needed to replace. I did save her the floor tiles and she was able to um, just, you know, replace the four that got damaged behind the stove and she didn't have to buy a whole new kitchen floor, which saved her a lot of money. So I think you have to sort of weigh that cost. If it's something that's going to be very hard to replace, like a kitchen tile, if God forbid, you know, you have a leak or something like that, then those are the kind of things that are worth the space to save. Something that's easy to procure, like school supplies, that might not be worth the space. But again, you need to find out what the equation is for you. Only you can decide what you need to save, what's useful to you. I can't answer that for you. <laughs> I'd love to, but I can't. And so you're going to have to weigh the balance between what it will cost to get you again if you didn't have it and what it would cost if something happened to it. <laughs> um, and I think going forward, if you already have it, this is just how I sort of look at it. But if you already have it, it's worth finding a way to organize and use up in most cases, not always, but in a lot of a lot of times. And again, you got to weigh this for yourself. But a lot of times it's worth, you know, using it up just so that it's used up because you've already paid for it, but not going out and buying it again. No, you don't need to necessarily keep all of Target on hand. You just need to use up what you already have. And I think that that's a good um, criteria or give yourself a deadline to use up what you already have. Anything that's not used up by X date, you're going to get rid of half if you can't commit to getting rid of all of it. So, you know, use up what you have if you can. And if you can, if it's too much to use in, you know, one reasonable person's lifetime, then go ahead and move on from it. But again, this is your equation. You need to decide what's right for you. So Rifki, I hope this helped you. <laughs> um, I hope this gave you a little bit more clarity. <laughs> I have two other outstanding questions that I want to answer. But before I do, I just want to say this, that I have a client and she uh, moved this week. And she um, called me and asked me to just talk to her quickly for a minute and see, you know, what she should do about one of the spaces in her kitchen. And I said to her, she said, I've never had a kitchen so big before. 
And I said to her, you know, it's okay to have empty space. And she thought about it for a minute and she looked at me and she smiled and she's like, you know, you're right. It's okay to have empty space. Every single surface area doesn't need to be filled. And so as you're going through what to keep and what to toss, remember that not every single part of your house needs to be full of stuff. It's okay to let your eye rest. It's okay to have empty space. It's okay to, you know, not be totally fold up filled up. <laughs> so anyway, let me answer these two questions that are outstanding. Again, if you have any questions that you think I should have answered or that you want me to answer, just leave me a voicemail or send me an email. Um, a lady called me and asked me about what to do with clothing that is not suitable for donation, but that, you know, she doesn't want to just throw away. Now, this is going to be specific to where you live, so I can't go ahead and answer for each neighborhood because I just don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know every single neighborhood in the U.S. and Israel what's available. But in general, what is available is Goodwill or a recycling or clothing donation bin. If you have clothing that's not suitable for donation, but that you don't want to end up in the landfill, all you have to do is market rags and drop it in a Goodwill bin or any other clothing donation bin in the U.S. or in Israel. Also, H&M takes back clothing and they will recycle or reuse it or you know donate it whatever so you can also go to H&M I'm pretty sure that's a worldwide effort from H&M I mean I think they even give you a, a voucher for clothing I wouldn't take it necessarily but um, yeah it's possible to take things to H&M just mark the bags clearly rags so that no one's going through it looking you know trying to assist and wasting their time um, and for the lady who called me and asked me about citrus in my vinegar and for a cleaning solution, I fill the jar, I fill a jar about halfway full, three quarters full of citrus rinds and then pour vinegar on top of it. I leave it under the sink for, you know, two or three weeks and it's a really great cleaner. Um, and you know, it's easy. <laughs> it doesn't really go bad. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out, leave me a voicemail or send me an email. I love to hear from all of you. And I am working hard to get out a 45-day pre-Pesach decluttering cleanup challenge. So stay tuned for details. If you're interested, please let me know. For those of you who don't have access to the internet, could you please let me know? Uh, leave me a, a voicemail and so I can reach out to you later on if you're interested. <laughs> um, God willing, there will be a hotline for this challenge and the challenge will cost $18. So... It's a pretty easy challenge, 45 days. It'll be encompassed decluttering and cleaning up to Pesach. So it'll be both to keep you, help keep you on track, keep you organized. Obviously, there will be things that you're probably going to want to adjust depending on your house. But uh, I think in general, it's a really great challenge and it's it'll keep you, help keep you on track. So I wish you all a good week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.